Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we're joined by Darielle Springfield, a native of Memphis and a two-time graduate of Tennessee State University, where he received both his bachelor's degree and master's degree in mathematics. In July of 2009, he moved to Johnson City, Tennessee to be with his lovely wife, Kiana, who is currently a physician with the Jackson Clinic specializing in obstetrics and gynecology. With such an ambitious spouse, Dariel decided to use his time in Johnson City to earn his doctorate degree in educational leadership and policy analysis. Dariel started his tenure at Western Governors University in 2014, serving as a course instructor with the General Education Algebra Statistics Team, but is currently in the role of Strategic Partnership Manager for WGU Tennessee. In his free time, Dariel likes reading, running, working out, golfing, tennis, and shopping. In fact, he may have a bit of a suit and bow tie addiction. He also performs a regular test of his mental grit by participating in Tough Mudders, a 12-mile military obstacle annually. He loves music and has a keen appreciation for the way different instruments come together to create perfect harmony. Interestingly enough, it's not uncommon for Dariel to get lost in the music. To sum all of this up, Dariel just likes to have fun while abiding by a quote from Calvin Coolidge, Nothing in this world could take the place of persistence. This is made evident by his pursuit of higher education as a first-generation graduate, his commitment and loyalty to his community, and his own love for meeting new and interesting people. Good morning, Dariel, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Well, thank you. I'm so delighted that you're here today. We've uh, run into each other at different Jackson, Tennessee Chamber events and Leadership Jackson, and I'm so delighted to get to talk with you this morning. Yeah, I'm excited to be here as well. I've been telling all of my friends and especially my wife about you know this opportunity. So this is um, something new and unique, and I'm excited to be here. That's wonderful. Well, let's go ahead and start. And will you tell us about the first job you ever had? It's interesting that you start with my first job. So my first job where I actually made money was cutting grass with my grandfather. It was interesting. I would spend my summers with my grandfather and eventually he decided, well, it's time to put this young man to work. And so I think back on that and I can remember having a push for um, on the biggest hill that I've ever seen in my life. And I would see him on the ride more and he would be done and he would be fishing. And he would always tell me, you could join me once you finish. And I would look at the hill and I would look at him and I would know there was no way that I was going to be finished <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> but that was definitely my first job. Oh, fun memories. Um, I got a lot of my work ethic from him and I am... My grandfather is actually one of my closest friends uh, to this day. Uh, tomorrow's Friday, so I'll drive to Memphis and we'll do lunch together. So That is wonderful. I love that, you know, we think about incentives, work incentives. And of course, we want to be paid for the work that we do. But that incentive of I've got all this to do, and if I get done, I get to go fishing can really, when we have an incentive to get our work done and something that resonates for us, uh, it can... Mm -hmm. We can start thinking about, okay, how am I going to tackle this problem? All right. And a big hill with a push lawnmower <laughs> is a big problem. <laughs> All right. So where did you go from there after your lawn mowing days were over? 
after my lawnmowing days were over, my first real job where I had to clock in was at uh, McDonald's. And I remember I had just come back from um, Spain, uh, Barcelona, specifically in Paris. And my mom said, no, you have to get a job after this trip. Um, so um, she made me, she gave me the opportunity. I'm going to say it that way. She gave me the opportunity to go out there and find employment myself. And I didn't want to just work anywhere. So I looked into some big names and I did not get any interviews. And I remember my mom had had enough. <laughs> and she said, we're going to get you a job right now. And she drove me to McDonald's. I walked in. It was the oddest thing I've ever seen. I walked in. They asked me to fill out an application. Before I could finish the application, they had handed me a, a, a uniform and said, training is in 30 minutes. You have time to make it. Wow. So that was, <laughs> that was how I stumbled upon my first job. My mom was very serious about me working. Um, and she didn't care where it was. She just knew that I needed to seek some type of employment. Wow, what a wonderful story. How long were you at McDonald's? Not long. I hated that job with my whole heart. Because <laughs> I was in high school. Uh, I believe it was my senior year. And I felt like I was missing out on a lot of senior activities. And that is how I was able to, uh, I guess, swindle my way out of that job I said I'm just missing everything and this is my last year I've been working hard I'm a straight A student I mean I don't and now I don't get to enjoy my senior year with my friends so <laughs> I was there I would say maybe three three to four months that is such a tough thing you know I I think it's wonderful for high school students to work for because for a variety of reasons it teaches you a lot about the world about yourself you make money but in a way, I don't really want high school students working for the reasons that you said. You're only a kid. I mean, like, you don't think you're a kid when you're a high school senior, but that's it, you know? That's it, yeah. And that's it. And as you said, all this work and culminating, and then your friends probably scatter and life changes. And to be able to really enjoy and have an education, right? All of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, it's tough. It was, you know, it was definitely interesting. And I remember I didn't have any bills at the time and um, gas was 89 cent, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you could go into the gas station and say with pride, you know, five on pump four. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually did something. Um, but yes, it's, it's, it, I, I like that you mentioned that you are a kid at the age of 18 and you spend the rest of your life as an adult. I I think once I realized that, I was like, that's just not fair. You get 18 years, not even a full 18, 17 and, and 364 days <laughs> to be a kid. And after that, you're an adult. So, so did you work when you were in uh, college? I did. I worked while I was in college. Um, I worked for Sam's Club for many years. Now, the Sam's story is also a funny story because I did everything in Sam's Club from pushing the carts, cashier, front end manager, 
membership desk, bakery, meat department. I did everything. But what's interesting is uh, while I was at Sam's Club, when I was a front end supervisor and then manager, my mom worked at Sam's Club and I was her boss. <laughs> oh, my word. I did not like it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because this was also, and I, and I appreciate it. Sam's Club for the flexibility. So while I was in school, uh, I was in Nashville. I had the ability to work at a Sam's Club in Nashville. And when I came home for the summer, I was able to transfer to a Sam's Club in Memphis. Fantastic job. I worked there for seven years as a college kid. Right? <laughs> but yeah, being my mom's boss was probably the most uncomfortable um, that was one of the most uncomfortable situations I've ever been in because my mom, love her, but she's not the nicest person in the world. And no one would ever want to tell her what to do or give her orders. So they would send me to do it. I would always think, well, I have to go home with this woman. And <laughs> while I can tell her what to do here, there are going to be consequences once I make it back to the house. Wow. <laughs> So how did you deal with it? I mean, a lot of people have leadership challenges with people that mm -hmm. they find difficult or just, you know, leadership challenges, but your own mother, how, how did you deal with that? Uh, very tactfully and mm -hmm. skillfully. Um, I, I, I know my mom very well. My mom and I grew up, I was extremely close with my mom. Um, it's interesting, you know, as I was growing up, she was like, I mean, you don't have a sister. I'll be your sister. Like, no, I need you to be my mom. But <laughs> I appreciate the offer. But <laughs> in that, now, what she was trying to say is that we can be close and there's nothing that I would ever need to keep from her. And I understand that today. But as a kid, no, I just want a mom. And so in that closeness, I was I was always able to convince her to do things that she will say, and this is not my job. You know, I understand it's not your job, but I'm your son and I'm asking you for a favor. Uh, a lot of things uh, that we have to do at work and in our everyday lives are our favors that we're doing for other people. And I was just discussing that with my wife uh, yesterday, how when people ask you for a favor, it is the most urgent thing in the world to them. And it's something that you're trying to work into your day. It's not like you have that flexibility. Um, neither one of us have the flexibility to add anything, but we'll take on more <laughs> than we need to. And it's because we recognize that that, is a, that person reached out to us probably as a last resort. And that's the most important thing to them at that time. And so I, to bring that full circle, my mom knew I was uncomfortable asking her doing certain things. And so she recognized that I really didn't have a choice in the matter. And so I think we got along, despite me having to tell her to do something that I knew that she did not want to do. <laughs> Well, I mean, listeners out there, if you think what you've got to do is tough, uh, Daryl is doing this with his mother, but he did it. And I think probably why you could do it is because you had a foundation. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you just brought up, this idea of favors. And it's just made me think about two people in my life this morning asked me for favors. And um, as you said, my, my day is busy. 
but I love them and I want to help them. Like, yes, I will do that. Yes, I will do that. And that's what relationships are, right? We help one another. That's exactly what it is. And you want to, you want to contribute and you, you find a way and something out of your life ultimately gets cut. <laughs> and I don't think people really think about that. I, and I, I, and I honestly, I think I think about that more than others because I ask for favors all the time. Um, but that's the nature of the work that I'm in. I build relationships in parts. They say partnerships. I build partnerships. And because I build partnerships, that means that I'm going to have to ask for a favor. But that means that when you're in need of a favor, I'm going to be there for you. So there's a trade-off. I I love this idea of favors. I'm going to think a lot more about this. But I, I have always believed that, you know, when you ask somebody to do something that you really need, but you feel like you're inconveniencing them and you don't want to ask, it's actually giving them an opportunity to step up. It's giving them an opportunity to show that they are your friend or they are for you or they are committed to this relationship or organization. It gives them an opportunity to shine. And so you get your need met and they as well, because we all want to be active and participants and we want to be recognized for the roles that we can play. Right. You know, you mentioned that and it made me think about my daughter. So my daughter, 23, in dental school, and we started talking about friends. She was telling me that she has 10 best friends. It's like, best friends? I was like, let's, let's explore this a little bit more. 10 best friends? She's like, well, three of them are my best friends from elementary, three of my best friends from high school, three of my best friends from college, and one is my male best friend. It's like, best friend? I was like, I, I don't think you understand what the word best means. Like there's, <laughs> you know, there's a superlative to this. Like there's, you know, <laughs> good, better, best. Like best implies that there's only one. Um, so <laughs> I said, that's interesting that you think you have three. So she asked me, well, do you have a best friend? I was like, yes. And it's, there's only one. There's only one. And the friendship has been tested. It's been through something. So I said, what have you been through at this age? And the person showed up for you that makes you call them your best friend. Just because you all talk frequently, because you all hang out, is that what makes them a best friend? Or are they truly your friend? It's like, as you get older, you'll understand that word friendship a lot more. I also have a seven-year-old and he thinks anyone that plays with him is his best friend. So... <laughs> It's, it's interesting how that dynamic of friendship and relationship changes as you uh, get older. Absolutely. And I think this works really well for we think about um, our business environment and at work. We have work friends and work mm -hmm. friends, I think, you know, they are different than outside friends. Every once in a while, a work friend can transition into like a, a life friend. But those work relationships are very important. And when we think about conflict and the work environment, Many people, of course, are, are reticent to work through the conflict because there's a lot of fear and there's just a lot that goes on, a lot of feelings that have pe people have around conflict. But when people work through those conflicts with somebody that maybe they thought was their work nemesis or someone they thought was out to get them, 
but they actually work through it, that bond, that that bond of a colleague is strengthened. So it's definitely better than it was before, but it's even stronger because I've done something difficult with this person Correct. and they've done something difficult with me. And now I have a sort of like these battle scars and I have a kind of um, reliance on that other person or a, I know this person can do tough things with me and our relationships develop when we're willing to do something difficult. And of course, dealing with a, a real conflict at work is difficult. Yeah. As you bring that up, I'm, I'm reminded of a situation I went through not too long ago. So I'm working on a project, big project, whole university is going to see it. And there's five of us working on this. Now, I, I think, you know, being in leadership, Jackson, and I've known this about myself for a while, but my leadership style is a little bit different. I really do like to take everybody's talents and gifts into consideration and let them shine in those areas. Um, and so we were doing something and it was a website. And so we were trying to develop it. Now, the look of it, I will say, that that's that's my expertise. Like I really do care about graphics. As a matter of fact, I have a degree in it. I have a degree in art and design. And so there was a guy on my team. He stayed up, worked really hard trying to find images. And when he presented it to me, was, I, I will say that I think I handled it wrong. Um it's like that's good, but the pictures are really pixelated. Pixelated. Let me take a stab at it. And I did. I brought it back. And the group as a whole loved what I had done. But what I had done, and I didn't realize at the time, was undermine all of the hard work that he had put in. And so I found that I had to go back and find a way to compliment what he had done, but also say, you know, this is gonna be better for the group because this idea was fantastic. The idea was phenomenal. And I told him like, there's no way that I could have come up with anything this brilliant, but I think we'll get the best product if we take your idea and let me work on the look of it. And once he saw, once I went back to him in that regard, then we were ba we were better able to complete the project because now we were one on one accord. But initially, I definitely handled things wrong. I hurt his feelings because he had worked hard. And his I mean his his feelings were in his work. It's like no, I worked hard. You're going to use this. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, it's hideous. There's no way that this can represent me. <laughs> And so I, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was saying that people, people like the truth, but there is a right time to provide the truth. And so even if it wasn't to my, to my liking, I should have given him a truth, which was this idea, this concept is brilliant. And I should have left it there. And then after, you know, maybe pulling him to the side saying, you think we can work on these graphics uh, together? 
that would have been a better way to handle that situation because it gives him the praise that he was looking for, but it also would allow us to work, you know, as one as opposed to we we I, the group was about to split up or they had to choose a side. I was like, mm. yeah, I don't want this. <laughs> we have to continue to work as a group because everyone offers something unique and I recognize that. I just did not initially know how to tell this one person that this is not our best work. This is not the best representation of the group. So that's such a great example because it's just so real. That happens quite a lot. And you know, one way to combat that is communication. But, you know, there's so many things that we don't even think that we need to communicate because of our own experiences and our own background. And so, you know what the standard is for pixelation, you know what the standard is for good design, right? And, and you have these sort of expectations, but to think about articulating them for somebody who is maybe putting the pictures or the font or the look of something together, or asking questions, is this something that you ought to be doing? And if you are going to do it, let's talk about it. There's just so many of those sorts of conversations that we don't even think about having at the right. front end. Of course, the more we can think about that from the front end, then the miscommunication doesn't occur and you know all that is spared. But what do we do? Because it's just very normal what happened. And unfortunately, what a lot of people will do is they won't reassess. I mean, that's what leaders do. They reassess, they think, they reflect, they they find a way forward. And then the team splits and you have to choose a side. And that happens so often. And so one, one situation can turn into years of toxic work environment because right. now it's us versus them, me versus you. And yeah. did he, did he receive everything got repaired? And do you think the relationship everything was repaired? Um, I did pull him to the side to apologize, but I also made sure that I apologized publicly in front of the group mm-hmm. and again, praised him for the work that he had done. And we were able to regroup and present some, a product that was better <laughs> than anything that I, 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 could, I could have even imagined when we started. It was just, it was, like I said, it was a miscommunication on my part. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, he was willing to accept my apology and continue to work with me because I I definitely felt like I was in the wrong. Um, and oftentimes it's really hard to admit, look, I'm wrong. <laughs> because I'm sure when I said it, I felt like I was right. Yeah, right. So. And that's such a good point. You could have been right. You were right with the content, but not the time. And there is a time for everything. And there is a way to say just about everything. But we have to pay attention to those times. And and sometimes we miss it. But that doesn't mean, oh, well, it's done. There's the the next day. There's the how do I go back? How do I address this? And find the right time and the right way to move forward. Yeah, I found myself more frequently going back to apologize for things because I said them in the moment. I apologized to my son <laughs> the other day and he was like, dad, I know you didn't mean it. <laughs> but I had to stop him. I was like, no, I, even if you understand that I don't mean it, you should, you should still allow me the opportunity to apologize because too, more often than not, you're probably going to run into people that aren't willing to apologize. So I need you to know that even though 
you view Muit as the grand authority in your life, I can still be wrong and I owe you an apology. So, yeah, I mean, all of us, all of us are fallible. That's why we need to be self-reflective and then extend grace to others for when they make mistakes or they hurt our feelings. So, so what about conversely, when you, how do you deal with adversity at work when you feel like you've been unjustly treated at the workplace? When I am unjustly treated, again, I'm going, I'm always going to take a moment to reflect. I always want to think about what it is that I think was done. Um, I'm not one to act how I usually try not to act immediately. I want to take it all in. Um, And so once I've gathered my thoughts, calm down, um, then I can begin to address it. I think oftentimes what happens or what what happens to me at work where there's some conflict is I'm offended and I don't like being offended. So in that, what I've learned to do is instead of being offended, be curious. Like, why do you think this? So I start to ask questions. Um, there's no way that you can be curious and offended at the same time, because you do need to understand that person's perspective. Um, and a lot of people believe that they're listening and they're not. Most of the times when you're in a conversation, the people, you will say something, it triggers a thought in their mind and they're trying to formulate their thought and they stop listening to you. (laughs) So I've, I've I've really spent a lot of time uh, focusing on listening, which is a very difficult skill, um, especially when you're trying to win and you don't even realize that you're trying to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so once I've gathered my thoughts and gained some understanding, then I can go back and have that conversation with them. Mm. Oh, with, I love with perspective. I- I love all of that. I mean, so many times we think we're listening and we're not, we're listening to ourselves or we don't know. I love that you said, we don't know that we're listening to win, but we are. And I certainly find myself falling into that trap. You know, mindfulness being present is not something that happens by accident. It happens. It's intentional and it's hard work for your body and your mind to actually stay focused on what that other person is saying. And I also love this idea of curiosity. I I, I want to say that nobody can embarrass you and nobody can offend you without your consent. And I think there's something to that, though I think, though I think there are objectively offensive things, mm-hmm. but how I feel about it, I can choose to think that other person is trying to hurt me or being curious, why is that other person trying to do this? Or what is going on? Or what is their motive? Maybe I don't understand their motive. Maybe they think they understand me and they don't. But this whole curious gets us out of our, I think when we're offended, it is so much about myself instead of, wow, that other person maybe is objectively being offensive. How, you know, how sad for that person or they're hurting or there's something wrong with them that they would say this or do that. It takes us out of ourself. I love that. So we can get curious, as you said, be reflective so that now we can move forward, especially at work. 
because our emotions, if we come with emotional responses, it's very hard to make progress, to repair what has happened, to make plans for the future, to not only just work together, but work together well. Right. Right. And when our emotions are tied up in it, it's not that we're not emotional people, but there's a time and a place for everything. And at work, we need to be good colleagues. That means be respectful and move forward. And our passions can sometimes get in the way of that. Yeah. So can you tell me what has been so far your best work experience with either with a person or an organization, a leader? And, and tell us about that. What was so good about it? It's interesting that you would ask that as well, because I'm in the best work environment I've ever been in <laughs> and wonderful. have been. And I have been for several years. Um, being where I am now, I think I really began to understand what it's like to work as a team. I've heard of team before. I've worked in teams before. But being on the teams that I've had the honor, the privilege of being in over the last almost a decade now, gosh. <laughs> Um, that, that has taught me a lot about what teamwork is. I, I go back to being in high school or college and you have to do a group project and everyone knows how that story ends. One person does all of the work <laughs> right. and everyone else is standing there ready to take the credit. I was the person that always did all the work because I could not bear the thought of my grade not being in my hands. <laughs> but being where I am now, I learned that people have some very unique, special talents and they need an opportunity to shine as well. And that's the thing about a gift or a talent. The person with that gift or the talent, usually don't, they don't recognize it because it's something that they do without effort. And you look at it, it's like, well, that was amazing. How did you get that done? <laughs> How can I be more like that? And so that's what I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for that in the team. Like, okay, this is the person that does this. This person is super organized. This person is great with tech. This person is fantastic with people. This person is going to do so well in this area or that area. And once you put all that together, you realize that you have all the pieces to the puzzle for success. So that's what I've learned over the years. And that's why I'm in the best position ever. Um, I feel like the teams that I've been on, they say it's family, but it really is family. There's a group chat that's outside of work. Um, you get phone calls on your birthday. They know your kids' names and they know your wife's birthday. Like that's just that's a lot when they know mm -hmm. your wife's birthday, not just your birthday. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that takes it, you know, to a, a different level. And so that that creates a really good work environment because you enjoy being with the people. And when you enjoy being with the people and having a great leader that is able to articulate what the goal is or what the vision is and where we're trying to go. That makes all the difference in the world. I have the best manager 
that anyone could have. And I'm not just saying that <laughs> because <laughs> I work for them. I really look up to this person. This person is a mentor of mine and she's actually three levels above me, but I get the privilege of working with, with her every day. And I consider myself fortunate because not everyone else has that type of access to her. Mm -hmm. And she's very busy. She's running a region and I'm just here focused on Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of things does she do specifically? What, what makes her a good leader? Um, one being accessible to me and two always being willing to offer advice um criticism is also something that i've learned to appreciate at this stage of my life because i know the things that i'm gonna do well and a lot of people provide would prefer to provide positive feedback but the growth actually occurs from the negative feedback in my opinion because you you didn't see what you did wrong but not only that, if you can provide some type of advice or suggestion on how I can do it better, that makes all the difference in the world to me. So I'm I'm focused on the negative <laughs> <laughs> and improving upon those things that are viewed as, as negative so that I can so that I have the opportunity to grow and learn. I think that's really interesting. Very very interesting because at the different stages of our career, and of course, depending on who we are and our personality and all that. You know, when is the, when are we actually looking for negative feedback? I mean, when are we looking for how to get better? It's like, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm good at. I, and I love hearing it, but how can I improve? And if nobody ever tells you, you've got that lettuce in your teeth, how are you going to know, right? If yeah. nobody ever points it out, because if you knew, you'd have taken it out, right? You're a professional, you know how to get stuff done. But if you don't know that you're doing something maybe in an ineffectual way or something could be better. And if somebody else sees it and they point that out to you, that is so valuable. Mm -hmm. One other thing you said I think is very interesting is your team and how much you love being on a team. And I love a good team as well. I really just know that whenever I collaborate with somebody, it is always better at the end because two heads, three heads, four heads are better than one. Absolutely. But you also travel. So how much face-to-face, -face, team, Zoom, how do you connect with your colleagues when, are you in a hybrid work environment? Are you 100% remote? Or how, how does that work? I am 100% remote. I am at work right now. This is work. And this has been work for the last 10 years. Um, but my team connects weekly. So we have a call weekly and we do, we always do some type of team building exercise. I, I believe last week, the question that was asked was who would play you in the movie? Nice. Yes. Another time we were asked. Well, hold on. Uh, uh, what was the answer? What did you answer? Who's going to play you? For me, it was um, Michael Ely. All right. <laughs> But there, there are others uh, because I asked my wife this question as well, and I, I didn't take it that she was like, wait, is it young me, 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 <laughs> or old me? And I say, like, oh, well, if it's old me, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Um, but, yeah, we do things like that so that we get to know each other a little bit better. Um, and then we have quarterly um, retreats where we get together, do team building exercises, talk about strategies because we're all over the place. And honestly, in our line of work, because we can't be everywhere, there is a lot of cross collaboration. Um, someone can't be in Georgia for an event. Well, Georgia isn't right around the corner for me, but I can get there. Or North Carolina, it's not right around the corner, but I can get there. Um, and so just that, that collaboration allows us to connect. And I'm very appreciative for that because I'm, I'm learning from colleagues on my team. And I think they feel like they're learning something from me as well. But I'm just out here having fun. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, so many people see their colleagues as a burden. Or, you know, they roll their eyes, I've got to be in a meeting or, and I know people can be meeting to death. And I know some colleagues aren't great. But if you think of it the other way, what do I get to learn? How can I be better? How can I, how can I, how can they get to use the benefit of what I have learned, right? Because it's so wonderful to share insights and things that we have learned with other people who want to hear it, then also right. to learn from them. There's something so energizing about being with professionals being with peers, where you really do get to invest in each other. Absolutely. So as you look into the future in the world of work, so your daughter, uh, when she's out into the workforce and your young one is out in the workforce, what do you hope for them? What, what do you want to see in their work environment so that they will not only be treated with dignity and respect, but they'll flourish? You know... I just had this conversation with a colleague and I'm going to try to spin a negative to make it a positive. So he was telling me that his wife, he and his wife had decided to take their twin boys out of the school that my son attends. Um, it's a private school and they were faced with some bullying. I said, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. And he asked if, my son had been faced with any bullying and said, I don't know. But oddly enough, bullying is something that I know that we're going to be faced with at one point or another. Now, the reason for the bullying is, I won't, I'll, I'll save that topic for another time, <laughs> but they were being bullied and his response was, well, because of my profession, I can show my boys that they have options. So they don't have to take it. They have options. And so instead of them viewing this as a punishment, he has found a school that will be more in line with their interest art. I think they're really interested in art and swimming and things of that nature. So he's found a school that focuses primarily on those things, which means that the school that he's taking his boys out of, they lose his tuition dollars, they lose his other financial support, and he's providing his sons with an additional option. So I wanted to dig into that because I said, well, I, I, I see what you're doing, but the, because of the bullies I've had, because of the adversity I face, I am the person that I am today. His answer very well thought out, very articulate. 
fantastic answer. Well, I want them to do exactly what I did. They'll be excellent. It's like no one bullies you when you're excellent. So we just have to figure out what it is that they can be excellent in. And so right now I'm providing them with an option to explore the thing that they're good at right now. So when you ask me about what do I want from my kids, that is what I want. I want them to be excellent. That is what we strive for. We're striving to be excellent at something. And it doesn't have to be anything big or major. It just has to be something that you want to do, something that you enjoy doing, and you're great at it. I love that. And I love that it doesn't have to be big. We don't all have to be Einstein or the yeah. new inventor or creator. I mean, that's fine, but we can be excellent at tech or excellent at our people skills, excellent mm -hmm. at organizing events. Though I do think that the bullies, the difficult personalities, um, they are around. And whether they're in our social spaces, our religious spaces, our workspaces, it's almost impossible to avoid entirely difficult personalities or whatever's difficult right. for us. Right. So, and I try to explain that and say, I mean, I would prefer that my son gets bullied now and starts to develop a way of dealing with bullies as opposed to later in life. I don't want to be there to save him from everything. So, yeah, it's hard. It's so hard with our children. Absolutely. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a lovely conversation. <laughs> I've actually had a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah, I think everything flowed well. Um, I appreciate it. The questions, it really got me to thinking and I appreciate my work and family and kids and even friendships like the one that I have with you, Mary. Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. I'll see you later. Right. See ya. Daryl, thank you so much for being on Conflict Managed. I so enjoyed our conversation. You're such a lovely person to chat with. Conflict Managed is produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. If you are interested in one-minute videos on conflict resolution, you can find me on TikTok at 3pconflictrestoration. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time. Take care.